and welcome to another episode of Fool's Daily. Um, I am joined this evening as we record. Yeah, it's dark and everything. Yeah, I look at my clock, it says it's 20 to 8 in the evening. Is it really? It is. But I'm joined oh. by the lovely Matt, who is, appears to be building a fort or something. In I'm not building background. a fort. I'm not building a fort. I'm building union miners and let's just get early doors. Separate feet? What the hell? <laughs> What's that all about? I don't know. I haven't got the plastic ones. I've got the metal ones. There's no need. Oh. Can you build them slightly quietly so that our gentle listeners don't listen to your great clod hopping, chopping stuff? Nope. Okay, fair enough. Just thought I'd ask, you know. Yeah, no, screw then. Like, you know, I show concern. If they want to start paying to our Patreon account, they can. Oh, no, hang on. We haven't got one. We're in this for the fun of it all. Yes. We are. Oh, crap. And a, and a celebrity listeners. Yeah. Hi, Gav. <laughs> Hi, Mark. <laughs> Hello, Gav and Mark's friends. He might also be famous, but I've not met you yet. <laughs> um, is, that all you, is that all you're doing? Who else do I know that's famous? I don't know. Who do you see now? Uh, hi, Angelina. <laughs> no, you don't know her. Hi, Scarlett. You definitely don't know her. Or you, if you did know her, she'd have a restraining order. Uh, what's this foot going on the side for? How does that even... What? These are anatomically mad. Oh, he's kind of got a sideways foot. Have I put the right one on the right foot? So. Alright, that kind of works, I guess. We're not even even supposed to be talking about this. We're not? No. I can't can't think in my head. What are we going to talk about, though, Mike? I I had an idea. You did, didn't you? I did. I thought we were just going to, like, pitch up and make it up like we normally do. No, I had an idea. Look, I've I've got my research materials, see? Mine are in the room. So if I have to refer to them, I can I can leap forth like a gazelle to the coffee table. A gazelle. Those of yeah, you who know Matt know that gazelle is not really on the cards. Gazelle-like, gazelle-ish. <laughs> well, in the same way that a blue whale is gazelle-ish. They all live on the savannah. No, blue whales. Are, <laughs> no, sorry. blue whales do not live on the savannah. I went elephant in my head straight away, not blue whale. <laughs> then, hence, in my head. The all on the savannah thing was true. I didn't realise you were going the aquatic world of Steve Sazou. <laughs> Very good. That was a weird movie. His always are. Yeah, but that was particularly weird. Yeah, it's got Bill in. Yes, it does. So anyway. We're not talking about films either. We're not. We're not. Then we should talk about The Wall. Well, the Great Wall, because that looks awesome. Kung Fu and Monsters. (laughs) Yeah, well, we'll do a review on that um, after we go and see it, probably a week after next, I'm guessing. Was it 17th? 17th it starts, yeah. Yeah, so... But anyway... We're not doing films. No, we're not doing films. We are doing a whole load of Osprey rule sets. A bazillion. Well, three. Yeah, ish. Um, Of which... We've played one. <laughs> so far. So far. Um, but anyway, so we, we got, we've got some Rothsphere rule sets that we haven't talked about. Yeah. Um, 
and actually we've got an extra book also by one of the authors of one of their rule sets. So, so what should we do first? Shall we work backwards in time? What, so the latest first? No, I don't mean as in publishing time, as in historically time. Oh, okay. Because then it's, we start with the one we've actually played, or should we finish with the one we've played and talk about the other ones first? I don't know. Which one do you want to... I, the question was, which one do you want to start with? And you've gone on to this whole metaphysical thing that now I'm uh, just completely Excuse me, confused. Mr. Running Order. I don't know what we're doing. You should tell me like you usually do. But I don't know. Let's finish with the one we've actually played and start with the ones we haven't. Okay, so we're going to finish with that one, which I'll put over there. And yeah. so we're going to start with this one. So let's start with Broken Legions. Yes. Have you got Broken Legions in front of you? Oh, hang on. I've just gazelle-like slid. Hang on. What did you think I was going to make him do? Oh, hang on, hang on. You might need to edit this a little bit. I'm not editing it. I just hear Matt stomping oh, around. His... No, no, yes, yes. Oh. <laughs> I wonder where I put that. Hello, Matt. Hi. <laughs> have you... Uh... Have you found Broken them? Legions is somewhere safe, but I know about it. Right, but broken... I do have the other two in front of me. Okay, so Broken Legions is somewhere safe. Yes. Right, so Broken Legions, um, written by Mark Latham. Yes. He's a celebrity. Hi, Mark. Yes. He was um, editor of White Dwarf. Yes. Um, and then he was managing editor of the whole of the games dev team. Yes. Um, he now writes game systems and um, novels. Uh, check out his check out his Lost Victorian stuff. And with a bit of luck, he's going to come to DAFCON if we can make the schedules work because he's working on a rule set that might be quite popular. I suspect it will be. Do you think it might be? I think so, although he has been frank and honest with the level of involvement he's having. Yes. But the... Am I allowed to say what it is? Yeah, well... It, 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 it's in the public it's domain, isn't it? It's in the public it? domain what it is, yes. Yes, it's the Harry Potter miniatures game thing. For night models. Well, like Batman, but with wizards. The models are gorgeous. And superb... Um, Sculpts of who they were in the films. Yes, if you've if you if you've seen the films, then they just look like them. Which means that mm -hmm. I can have my very own Helena Bonham Carter miniature. Oh dear, that's got to be painted many many times, and not with paint, isn't it? I might, I might have several. Anyway, so but but Mark writes games, and Mark has written several games for Osprey. Um, so the first one is Broken Legions. Yeah, it's. A standard Osprey um, blue-bound format book. Um, mm -hmm. I think they're six, they come in at sixty-four pages, don't they? Yes. I think yeah, it's a standard size, isn't it? And this one is—it's a historical warband fantasy type thing. Yeah, um... similar to similar sort of 
setting to gods and mortals, would you say? Yeah, I'd, I'd say it's, if you like, the, the baby brother of gods and mortals. In the fact, you're dealing with a very similar kind of pick a ancient historical nation, tribe, whatever you will. There are mythic elements that you will fold in, but it's not a figure scale or a figure number um, as big as of gods and mortals. No, it's seven to twelve models, so it's a, it's very much a warband skirmish. Yeah, game, um, three foot square board, which is again fairly standard, I think, these days for the Osprey games. Yes, they all seem to be pitched at there or thereabouts. Which in itself, I think, is a assuming that it's a design mantra that they are trying to enforce. Um, or just one of convenience, probably suits the gamers that are now probably buying those rules more. Yeah, I would ag- I would agree. I mean, they're looking the gamers who are picking this this these ones up. I, I mean, they're you and me, aren't they? They want to put a few figures on the table. They, they wish they were. <laughs> <laughs> they want to push them around for a couple of hours, and they don't want to have a massive commitment. And because yeah. these rule sets are coming out with you know great frequency. You don't want to have a massive amount of investment. You're looking at 12 quid for the set of rules. So, you know, you go to Amazon or something, you get them cheaper. And then 10 figures. Yeah. Yeah, so kind of a a low drag, easy entry, um, interchangeable. I mean, they genuinely are kind of rules designed for the Butterfly Gamer amongst us because, you know, you're talking potentially 20 quid all in. Yeah. So do you know what? If you play it twice in a year, your missus ain't gonna be too upset, unless your missus back. But um, it's it's not too bad at all. Yeah. Um. So the, you you basically it's picking you you know you you're picking a war band and you're fighting your opponents you're fighting your opponent. Um. You've got two classes of models. You've got your heroes and your henchmen. There's a pretty standard sort of profile that goes with those, you know, melee, physique, um, how many hit points you've got, that sort of thing. Um, and then you've got a type, so infantry, cavalry, yeah, um, monsters, that sort Beasts, of thing, that kind of thing, yeah. Um, and it's it's an opposed role system using d10s. Yeah, I mean, the mechanics themselves are simple and straightforward. Yes. Um, again, as they are in all of these rules, there's probably nothing particularly groundbreaking in them, and that's not to belittle or do down on the rules. Um, you know, that we've been gaming for a million years now, so innovation is, is a rare thing. But they're solid, they're enjoyable, um, they're of a decent dining table size. Um, but also pitch that, you know, generally you're finished within an hour. So it really is ideal for those kind of pickup games of, you know, you doss around your mates for an hour, have a quick game, have a bite to eat, have a cup of tea, and a bit of a gym wag. Yeah. Yeah, and, you know, and it's, it's, it's move and it's fight and it's recover and it's do your heroic actions and that sort of thing. There's um, some characters can perform... Miracles, yeah, um, yeah, they're because cool. I believe in miracles. <laughs> Do you? Yeah, it's because you're a sexy thing. Damn skippy. 
Um, you know, some of the miracles are excellent. There's like Feasts of Crows, Heart of the Lion. Um, or in your case, Barrel of the Elephants. You're so kind to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's a whole load of, you know, traits, I guess. Yeah. That give you the, the distinctions. And the rules themselves, including all the descriptions of all the traits and things, take up half the book. Yeah. You get and then the, you kind of got your factions and the rest. Yeah, so... And the scenarios and all of that kind so of... So you get your, you get, you've got the warbands. We should say, we, I don't think we did say, this is very much set in the Roman Empire. Yes. Um, so it's fantasy skirmishing with Roman soldiers. So... The warbands you get, you get um, the soldiers of the eagle. Yeah, so your standard legionnaires. Yeah, the order of Mithras. Which is kind of your rebellion legionnaires. Yeah. Um, the sons of Spartacus. Gladiators, obs. <laughs> uh, barbarians. Yeah, hairy men. Everyone else. Hairy yeah. men with sticks. Yeah. Um, Dacians. More some different hairy men, but pretty much the same. Um, and then you get... So, a lot of those are quite historical. Yeah. But then you get things like the Argonauts, um, who are effectively a cult of Hera. Um, you get the cult of Set. Yeah. So, you've got your Egyptians, you've got your Greeks. Um, so, familiar type stuff to allow you to use things out of your Ogam army in, in a lower level game. I've gone for gladiators. Yeah, yeah. and then you, and then you looking at them right now. You've got. Um, I think the last big faction is the Parthians. Yes, um, and I think if I remember rightly from reading it, they're set up with quite a lot of magicians and stuff. Yeah, kind of steps, horsemany types. Yeah, and then you have this these things called auxilla, which are basically hard swords, and they're the ones that you use to give your warband flavour. And that's where you get things like centaurs, cyclopses, yeah. um, the lost legionary, uh, you know, those sorts of things. Yeah, the mystical element. Yeah. But yes, yet to play. Um, Dwayne got me sort of sighted on them, I think, because it's a set that he'd picked up. Um, and obviously having played Ogam, I'm like, oh, interesting. But just for a change, not going Japanese. Well, yeah, because there isn't. Well, no, but I'm sure I could find some way yeah. to if I wanted to. Yes. But no, so I've got, I took advantage of the Black Tree. They did a half price sale, I think just before Christmas. Right. And I bought a bundle of gladiators, which are sitting part painted in front of me. They're one of my tar, uh, one of my projects to be completed this year for my one project per month. And I think I got about 18 of them, and they averaged about 60p a figure in the end, I think, at the sale price. So they're not too bad at all. Oh, that's good. Um, I actually think the fact... You know, to be slightly negative, I I think one of the fact that it is the Romans and very much that... It's fantasy gaming in that period. Yeah. What was that? Oh, sorry, that was my that was my phone. How terribly unprofessional of me! I hadn't put it onto silent. 
I've rectified that now. Okay. I think that that's actually a downside of the rules. Uh, yeah, I would suggest that that would put some people off. I, I mean, for, for me... sold more as a kind of... Hit. A bit like Ogam, a bit more open. Yeah, for me, I would have to buy some figures. I'll have to buy some figures to play it. Yeah. Because I don't have... Um, you have, you've got your Egyptians. No, I don't, I got rid of them. Oh, did you? Yeah. So I made in a Mandy boss. Oh, did you? <laughs> well, instead of... Hello! Yes. Um, so, yes, I'd have, to, so I'd, have to buy some, I'd have to buy some figures for it. Um... But that's okay. A quick trip to Crocodile Games. Yeah. Um, there's some nice models there that I've always fancied picking up. And uh, Again? Know, you don't need as many because it's a 7 to 12. Yeah. I mean, that, that's the real the bonus. For the negativity of it being kind of a period-specific, um, the, the low entry point from a model point of view is a real bonus. Yeah. His legs are stupid. Are you still building that model? No, I'm on the third one, the Detonator Man one. Oh, okay. More separate feet. What the hell? Um, and it does have um, a small campaign section as well. Four or five, yeah. pa- four or five pages of the book is the campaign, and I, from reading it, it's very strongly suggested that that's how you're going to do it. Basically, play some linked games. Yeah. Um, which is good. You know, you play it for you play it for a month. You have three or four gaming sessions with it. You put it away. Yeah, you'll come back to it again. And the beauty of it for a lot of people listening to this, they'll have the figures that they'll take out of something else. I would say so. Yeah. Um, so that's Broken Legions. The next one is written by some bloke called Mark Latham. Hi, Mark. Again. He's very busy. He is prolific, some would say. Um, so this is Chosen Men. Yes. Military skirmish games in the Napoleonic Wars. Now, up front, people know me, Napoleonics and my... Hang on, they've got guns! Yes. Again, we haven't played this. Yes. Um... And I certainly have no figures for it. No, neither do I at the moment. However, again, it's well, we it's about. Oh, hang on, I've got it in front of me. Oh, you've actually got one. Yeah, I've got this one in front of me. Um, It pitches in at one moment caller. I think it's thirty odd models. Yes, it's it's sort of saga sized. Yeah. Um, it's sort of a six by four. Um, things so, I mean things you'll end of the things you'll need. It's uh, organ- your models are organised four feet square. It's four foot. It, suggest- it suggests the average gaming area is four foot square, oh, yeah. but can be larger or smaller depending on the number of miniatures you want to use. Models are between five and tw- units are between five and twenty models, and the average force comprises between three and six units. Yeah. Obviously, elite units and your cavalry are considerably smaller, and your line units are generally, I think, about 12 to 20. Yes. Um, and reading it, it seems like it's designed to play sharp. Yeah. <laughs> that seems to be what you're doing. You're playing sharp. 
Now, because I am a aforementioned beardy type gamer. Yeah, yeah, you've got the wrong coloured lace on his turnbacks. Um, there is another rule set out there which is pretty much designed to do the same thing, and that's two fat lardies sharp practice. Yep. Um, two fat lardies are a bit like Marmite. Their rules, I think. I think it's fair to say. Um, you either really like them or you think they're. Ah, big bit of blue tack just nearly fell on me. Um, or you hate them. Um, they have some. They do have some innovative and very different rule mechanics. Is it their, um, is it their standard system of big men? Big men, yeah. I found it really um, difficult to understand what was going on with those rules. Yeah, um, and I've been the same, and I've had a few varying sets of the Lardies games. Some people put great stock in them, others less so. Um, you pays your money, you take your choice. Um, but again, they are pitched at a very similar level. Um, and I think with a very similar goal of Sharp-esque type gaming. For me, having been a historical gamer since I was younger, because I'm still young. Um, He's not. The, Napoleonics is kind of one of those things that every historical war game apparently should be into. Um, it's boring because you can never do it properly. People get a big table and a million figures and put it on, and there's no manoeuvre, and it's dull, um, and it becomes a dice throwing exercise, in my opinion. That's why I would be more interested in doing this, which is kind of saga-sized, large-scale skirmish, and similarly to the games that we are into, and like the majority of the Osprey games has a cinematic element to it, has storytelling yes. uh, built into the games, or allows you to build that in yourselves. Um, so I'm quite intrigued by them, I have to admit. Um, I do have a hankering to do some more historical stuff, because I seem to have not done any for quite a long time. So I'm intrigued by them. Um, not Gay Neil has bought a set and is wanting to play them as well, because he is... Um, even more sad and beardy than me. We should. Uh, I don't know if we've ever talked about not gay Neil on the show. Have we not? No. Should we should say not gay Neil is Matt's other friend. Yeah. Who my other friend? Who in the five years that I've known Matt, I've met once, and it took four years for me to meet him. Yes, but also, he is real. He is. He is definitely real. I have met him, and he's a very nice man. Um, and I've known Neil for Christ twenty odd years, I guess. You now, should explain why he's called not gay Neil, though. Because he's not gay. But where did it come from? Because it's because he is my uh, because he's my other friend. He's oh crap! I just dropped the detonator box. Um, <laughs> he's he's the one that I go to the cinema with. Hang on, I'm taking you down to the floor with me. Oh, um, on the floor with Matt. Yeah. Where the f- goodness is that gone? Um. <laughs> And he and he looks vaguely similar to, similar to me in the fact he is a rounded gentleman with a beard. But he's taller. Marginally. Um, and it got into the habit of when we went out, much as when me and Mike go out and Bex is around, we play um, gay adoptive dads. Me and Neil would play um, Dutch lovers. <laughs> and it came about because we were in a pub once and somebody asked us, oh, are you two brothers? And we said... At the same time, exactly, word for word, like a jinx. No, we're lovers. 
And we played it for a while, and then the people at the cinema started saying, oh, it's nice to see you two out again. And in the end, we had to kind of say, actually, we're not gay. And that's where his name, Not Gay Neil, came from. There you go. There you go. Insightful times. But anyway, he's a beardy historical gamer. Known him 20 years. He loves Napoleonics. Um, I told him he's a douche for doing so. But the idea of playing that, because um, he's very similar mindset to me and you about the uh, Two Fat Lardy stuff. They're kind of okay, but not particularly easy to comprehend. The other thing with the Two Fat Lardy stuff is they never have any point systems. It's entirely kind of scenario-driven, which makes it difficult if you just want a quick pickup game. Yep. So we're, we're intrigued. Hopefully this will solve the issues that we have with a sort of Napoleonic skirmishy set. Of course, we haven't played them yet. They might be dog poo. But I doubt it, Mark, because you seem like a very nice man. Come to DEFCON. Or I'll kill you. <laughs> You're not selling it. Um, I think it's got some very interesting ideas. Yeah. Um, I like the action phase idea. Um, so basically, each unit profile, one of the attributes that make up a unit is TAC or tactical points. And when you choose to activate a unit, it has that many tactical points. So it's AP from other games. Yeah. And then it costs... You You basically can then burn off your tack points to do things. Um, so it's it's similar to a game like Malifaux, where you've got AP for a particular model, and you burn off those AP to do its actions. I've not seen that necessarily applied to larger scale games no before um and so actions cost you so many tack points so a move costs you one tack point move at the double costs you two tack points charge two tack points hold one tack point disengage two tack points um those sorts of things i think is very interesting and also the focus on the officers yeah the position of the unit is actually always determined by the position of the officer model. Yeah. So you can you can do all these fancy cloud formations and stuff because it's obviously skirmish based, and so you've got them normally in circles, and there is a coherence aspect to it. But it's always the position of the officer that determines where the unit actually is. Um, I, I like it because it's in effect it's a. It's a pseudo command and control element to the game. Yes. Um, and I like those. It's some, one of the things that always gripped me about things like, um, Warhammer Ancients and stuff like that is that whole thing of everything's got to move when you want it to, um, at some point. You know, there was never any doubt that you're going to be able to do what you want with each unit. And I like the fact that certainly when Warmaster came along and then that kind of evolved through the genius of Rick Priestley, he's a very handsome and tall man, um, into this kind of command and, co command and control structure that would allow a variable element to that. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. It also, I also, one of the things I like about reading through it is it's very much your skirmish is happening inside a bigger battle. Yeah. Um, so they have these things called cauldron of war strategies. Which change that basically once you've deployed and etc. You roll to see how these which cauldron of war strategies affecting your side, 
and then it changes your setup and things. So you might, um, you know, they're grape shot, artillery bombardment, yeah. those, sort of, those sorts of things. It kind of acknowledges that you would be, in effect, a battle inside a bigger battle kind of thing. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, they they certainly like they've got some promise. Um, and the nice thing is these days with so many plastic manufacturers, miniature manufacturers out there for historical stuff, and increasingly you can buy individual sprues. It's again a low cost investment. Yes. Um, and it also elaborates on your command and control thing. I mean, there is an entire section called command and control. Because your or your officer can issue an order to the unit that he's with that enables them to do things beyond the basic actions. Um, so fire on my order or on to victory and ranging fire, etc. And then when it, when the order the officer's killed, that unit becomes a lot less effective. Yeah. Um, and you can have independent officers that run around and they have various... You can spend points on strategies that... Now, how balanced the strategies are, I don't... For the points, I don't know because I've not actually played it. So I don't know if there's a uber strategy that you always would do. Um, but, it, you know, it gives a lot of things to do. So you can you can play the, the gamey way... Which is where you look, you know, looking for what are the uber killer combos that is going to make me win. Yeah. Or you can play the cinematic way where you go, right, and you put yourself in the position of the commander. So, you know, I'm just look, I'm just looking down them. Um, this heroic, inspirational master strategist, nerves of steel, stealthy, eager for battle. You know, some young officer. And it, you know, it depends what you want. Stirring orator. Uh. What? But there's also things like flogging officer. What? Um, Keen of the eBay type. <laughs> but there's also risen from the ranks. Yeah. I wonder who you'd give that to. Some northern fellow in a green jacket, I would have thought. <laughs> um. So, and there's, you know, there's artillery and then there's unit specialists and stuff. Um, it all looks very interesting. Mm. Um, it comes with the force lists. So, yeah. it comes with, there is it comes French, with the filthy French. Peninsula French allies, British, British Peninsula allies, uh, blah, oh, French and British, basically. Oh, Prussians are in here as well. Yeah. I figured they must be, so you could do the Waterloo side of things. Yeah, because there's Waterloo allies. Yeah. Is that, I didn't flick that far. Yeah. And then there's various scenarios that determine the size of game and things like that. So, you know, and they're, they're the standard sort of ones. Meeting engagement, taking hold, PK duty, the vanguard. I, I always like a vanguard scenario. Yeah. Where you're sort of buggered. Camp, there's a capture the flag scenario that's quite fun. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, they look they look quite good. Yes, yes, they look good enough that I'm not going to buy figures for it, but I'll happily come along and push someone else's figures around the table. Yeah, and if um, I liked I'm... if I liked it, then I would buy some. Yeah, because like you say, they are cheap. 
But I would have to be British. Yeah, well, I figured as much. Oh, that's not a euphemism. <clears throat> I'm not being French. <laughs> they can't play rugby. They can't play rugby. <laughs> and they can't be lions, so... No. But I, but saying, I, don't, I don't mind playing French, because... Um, you lose anyway, and... I lose anyway, and it's only fitting. <laughs> it wraps up for you. Yeah, I'll just eat a load of garlic and surrender in the first turn. <laughs> that's pretty much how you play in most games, though. Yeah, exactly. I'm a, I'm a... Oh, God, that's like I'm French. You smell, and you lose a lot. I do not smell. How rude. I do smell, actually. <laughs> I'm, des- I'm desperately in need of a shower. I do smell a bit homeless. <laughs> it goes with the look. Yeah. I had to shave this morning, so I stopped looking like a homeless person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's the shave that did that. So what's the third set, Mike? Oh, we're on to the third set now. We've dispatched two Mr. Latham rule sets. Yeah. Just the like handsome, that. The handsome and talented Mr. Latham. Please come to DAFCON. <laughs> I promise not to touch you without consent. <laughs> You're going to behave yourself at DAFCON this year, aren't you? Uh, no drinking. Good. Drinking bad. I couldn't cope with that again. No, me neither. It nearly killed me. Yes. All right, so third game. Um, and the this third is the game, one we played. It is the one we played. It was the one I was most excited for. And it's yeah. the one that I'm still excited for, but a little bit oh, disappointed oh. at the same time. What yeah. have you done now? Chopped a pair of some things off my second soulstone miner. Blades, that's the word. I've done it again! That's the problem with the new Stanley knife blade. I'll glue back on or something. <laughs> you don't need two soulstone miners anyway. Why not? Yes, you don't. No, probably not. Alright, so. Um, Rogue Stars. Yeah. Um, Andrea uh, Sifoli, no, Sifiliogi. Not Syphilis. Sifiliogi. Yeah. Sifiliogi. No. Stop it. Okay. Andrea. Yeah. It's written a lot of rule sets that we like. Yes. Uh, Just Kung Fu. We like that. Of Gods and Mortals. We like that. Um, you've just thought of Songs and Blades and Ad- Heroes. Song, advanced Songs of Blade. Yeah, song, advanced Songs of Blade and Heroes. Um, that's for another day, but that looks pretty good as well, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, so Rogue Stars is, you know, regular listeners to the show know that I've wanted a set of small-scale skirmish game, you know, a warband skirmish game, sci-fi based, for ages. And we have tried lots and lots of rule sets. Yes. I have a huge stack of them. Yeah. Um, and haven't found one that suits yet. Um, so when Rogue Stars were announced, I was very excited by it. Yes, because we like Andrea's stuff. We do, we do like Andrea's stuff. We like the, we like the, we tend to like the way that it, it flows. Yes. Ah, dropped a soulstone miner. 
Oh, right, I've got it. Okay, I don't really care. Um, Selfish. So, the rules arrived. We have played it. We played it on um, a, a dungeon board. Yes. You're the the sci-fi dungeon. The sci-fi dungeon. Um, and overall, I think the game went well. I concur. It's of a similar mechanic to what we've had before. Yes. Um, it's a similar mechanic that with distinct differences. So, Andrea's rules tend to use you roll. X amount of dice, and you have successes and failures. Yeah. That's your kind of the activation mechanic. Yes, and depending on which game you are playing, um, the success or failure can either result in a turnover or not. So for um, Of Gods and Mortals, for example, if you roll two or more failures, that's the end of your turn. Yep. Um, Fistful of Kung Fu, the same. Same as Fistful of Kung Fu. Um. If you roll one failure, and you you choose how many dice you want to roll for Between one and three, three. and for um, f- if you have one failure, your opponent gets to make a reaction roll with one of his models. Yeah, um, he can only react with it any particular model once in the turn, uh, etc. And it generally works very well. It gives a relatively cinematic feel um, with. Uh, that is tinged with the ah I have um just thrown three ones. Yeah. Um which does lead to some tailoring of forces so that you use um models such in of Gods and Mortals, for example, with the Soothsayer ability, which enables you, do. you to replace dice. You yeah, you do you, you do because you like you're a power game. Yes. That's why I use Thor. He made me fall. Multiple times. Yes. So, and Odd Gods and Mortals and Fistful of Kung Fu are both D6 based. So, Rogue Stars takes that idea of the, th- you know, the three dice to activate an individual model. But it takes it to D20s. And a target number. The target number, the, ba- the, ta- the general target number is a 10. Except, no, only for shooting. Your activation target number is an 8. Is that an 8? So yes. I can't remember. It's been a little while since we played. So you've got relatively easy to go. Um, to go. And two f- or more failures does not end your turn. Which is a change-up. Yes. But every action point that you use puts a stress marker on a model. And those stress markers are effectively minuses to the dice roll or positives to the target number, depending on which way you want to think of it. Yeah, there's Um, a gradual accumulation of fatigue to use a Saga-esque kind of... um... Yeah. But the interesting thing is that when you do reactions, that also... You can react with the same model multiple times, but again, you're you're putting these stress tokens on. So your Overwatch will then impact into your own turn. So what you don't get is somebody who's on Overwatch reacting to your opponent's models, um, and then once it's your turn, gets to continue to act as if they'd done nothing. So 
yeah, there is an in, there is a benefit to it, yeah. obviously, um, but there is also that cost to Overwatch. In effect, what you're doing is you're using your activations up in your opponent's turn. Yes. Um, and that change to the mechanism works really, really well. Mm. It, Definitely. It, it changes the game mechanic massively. It'll be very interesting to play Ogham or um, Fistful of Kung Fu under the same mechanism. Mm-hmm. Um, I far, makes it far less swingy. And to a degree, one of the kind of... Wasn't really a complaint for us, but when we've when we've spoken about it, particularly around Ogham, because obviously we, we did a lot around playing Ogham. Um, we demoed it at um, DAFCON last year. Yeah. Um, and some of the some of the talk about it was great game, but the swinginess of that the that um, that dice mechanic of you dice two failures and it's your opponent's turn, and in theory can then flip flop backwards and forwards for a period of time with rubbish dice rolls and nothing actually gets achieved. Some people, um, is their opinion, obviously. Um, stated that they found that bit quite frustrating and potentially something that would put them off the game. Well, we've also seen... I mean, we've had the discussion um, with Carl and Gav... Yeah. ...about exactly the same thing in um, Dragon Rampant. Yes. That, that a single pour... That you, in Dragon Rampant, you fail your activation roll. That's the end of your turn. Yes. Um, and there was some discussion about... Uh, putting uh, some form of mitigation in yeah. for that, and there was a discussion about rerolls and stuff. I actually think that this a stress-based system, um, you know, a fatigue-based system. That yes, that unit's failed, it gets a fatigue marker, so it's harder yeah. for it to do its test. Yeah, your opponent gets to activate a single unit. Mm-hmm. I actually think that that is a very elegant mechanic. Yeah, and certainly works better than anything that we had suggested around the re-rolls, which yes. was kind of where we finally got to on what, if we were to try and resolve it, that's what we would have done. Yes. And actually, yeah, the, the stress mechanic works, It's as you say, far more elegant, um, changes the dynamic of what you're doing in the game. Um, and because it's this kind of accumulation and there is no turnover point, it's up to you then when you say, do you know what, that's enough now because I know I'm going to fail more rolls than I'm going to pass, therefore allow you to react more. Yes. The turnover tends to come at the point where you go, do you know what, I've, all of my models have kind of got three or four stress markers on, I'll let you have a go, and at the end of your turn, you remove all your stress markers. Yeah. So that way, those that have been accumulated in your opponent's turn through reactions don't get removed until the end of your turn. Yes, it's important Again, to know you don't have to do a reaction. No, that, it's a, that's a by choice. It's not compulsory. Um, but again, it's a really simple rule that works really, really well. Yes, it is. Um, and so then the game, progress, the game progresses, you know, as you would expect. You've, um, for each success you've achieved, of your one to three successes, you can do an action. You know, move, run, aim, shoot, fight... Yeah. Open, open a door. Close a door. All those, all those, you know, throw a grenade. Lock a door. All those, all those sorts of things. Um, so you, it's effectively how many AP have I generated for this model for this uh, activation? 
Um, and for each one that you do, you get a stress marker. So theoretically, you could activate a model. You could give a model three AP, but it will have three stress at the end of it because it's done three things. Yeah. Uh, it works very well. The game flows very nicely. Um, I'll send some birds. No, no, no. All right. Th there isn't about there is not a but about the mechanics. I think that I think the mechanics of the game are solid. Yeah. I think the buts come around all the stuff that goes around it. Mm -hmm. So I think the core rule set is solid. Yeah. Setting up a game is pretty complex. Mm. There's a I'll, lot. I'll... Of, there's a lot of tables to roll on to get to, rather than having it simplified down to, you know, a set of six scenarios or something like, for example, yeah. in Broken Legions or Chosen Men, there are yeah. a, a raft of tables. Very much if you if you're old like us and um, you remember Rogue Trader, or yeah. it, was, it was never called. No one called it Rogue Trader. It was called. No, 40, it, was, it was called Forty K. Yeah. But nowadays it's called First Rogue edition. Trader. Um that had loads of tables that you rolled, you know on everything. Every all games workshop products at that time had a load of tables that you rolled. God, could you remember the first edition Warhammer Fantasy roleplay? Oh yes. I was thinking Now there of, was a game of some tables. I was thinking of Realms of Chaos. Oh god, yeah. <laughs> Creating a war band. That was yeah. two hours of your life you weren't gonna get back. Um so anyway, you've you have a lot of tables that you roll on. There's the creation of your characters is well, it's very complex, um, and I think that's one of the big downsides of it is there are a lot of factions, and those factions determine the things that you can have. So if you're looking for ultimate flexibility, um, you can struggle. Yeah. If you're trying to create, you know... Totally freeform. I don't know. If you're trying to recreate, I don't know, some old psychic knight and his apprentice and a smuggler and a big hairy monkey type thing and a couple of robots, on the off chance... Yeah. That can be difficult to do. <laughs> yeah. Um, because of the way the factions are. Now, I understand why the factions are as they are. But it's yeah. confusing. So if you you want to play cultists, for example, I don't know, worshiping a never dying god emperor, mm -hmm. all of the you have to give all of the cultists psionic powers. You don't you know you don't have a choice whether if that's what you're going to do. Yeah, and so it constrains you slightly. I I think it, it might work better with a free front now. I understand because one of the good things about this game is that Andrea is very, very responsive online about yeah. it. Um, the Facebook group is very popular, and there's a, he gives a lot of feedback on that. And he explained a lot of the design decisions behind why this sort of thing is in place, and it's very much he sees it as very much a butterfly gamer book. That if you and your opponent decide to do something else, then just do it. Yeah. If you want to make this and your opponent says, yeah, that's fine, then just do it. Um, 
so I get I get that, and I get the um, you know, we were able to make our cruise as we wanted, um, pretty much. Yeah. And you know, I mean, it's not like you're restricted. There's a, there's not a lot. I mean, there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Pages start to go. Nine, ten. There's ten factions. So it's not a small amount. No. Um, but it tells you, and then you build your you build your characters, which again, there's a lot of flicking about backwards and forwards in the book. Um, what it could really, really do with is somebody to do a little kind of army or force builder. Yeah. Um, a card make... builder. Yeah. Um, so that that could be very good. The uh, the other big disappointment for me is that the campaign rules are one page. Yeah. Yeah, it's not. It's no Necromunda or Mordheim. Or I was I was really hoping for a detailed campaign system, and I think the biggest thing it suffers from is it's it's forced into the sixty four page format. Yeah. It's a game that would have lived, you know, would have been massively better if it could have lived in the um, Frostgrave format. Yeah. The bigger hardback book format, I think, would have solved it, would have helped it massively. There would have been more room. It would have had the space to do the things that you kind of feel it's missing. Yes. Now, having said all that, I really enjoyed the game that we played. Oh, absolutely. Um. I'm going to sit down. Well, I have sat down and worked out a new group of models because mm-hmm. that's what you do. I've got models to use, and I'm back in a Kickstarter that will give me some different ones. Yeah, <sighs> but I mean, I do stand slightly apart with you um, on the scenario generation thing. I like the fact the the level of stuff that's there because yes, it's and acknowledged as a kind of a, dare I say beer and pretzels kind of pick up easy play type game. But actually one of the things that tends to kill those type of games is once you've played all six scenarios a couple of times, it's done. Yeah, maybe. I think it would just be... There's a lot of flick... Because of how the book is edited, and I think... I don't think it's edited the best. No, editing is a very... It's You're giving it quite a bit of credit there. <laughs> um. If Osprey had put a set of cards out, yeah, you know, a f- you know, a f- just take a standard deck of cards and a scenario generation thing that had the bits written on it, and you just pick pick one from this, one from this, one from this. There, you're done. Yeah, it's the same mechanism. You get more money out of the punters, but it would make it much Simplifies easier. The whole yeah, thing. it would yeah. make it much easier to set up. Um, <clears throat> but. I do enjoy it. I am happy with it. It's certainly, it's a very nice extension of that Ganesha Games core mechanic of X dice. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I really, you you can see how that system has evolved, and this is kind of the next evolution of that. It's not, it's not a step backwards. You can see it's an obvious step forward that some thought has gone in that you, that, that Andrea has taken feedback, has looked at. Yeah, I don't know whether he, he looked at what people were saying. I don't. 
I assume there must have been similar feedback to what we got, um, and it solved that kind of flip-flop nature of the game. I think it has. I think it solved it very well. Um, it is a game that we're going to be playing at DAFCON um, in a new way. <coughs> oh, excuse me. You're excused. Thank you. We are going to try something different with Rogue Stars in that we're going to try a drop-in, drop-out game mechanism so that you can come along, play a li- for a little while and then just go away and then someone else can come in and play um, with recycling squads and yeah. a big mission. We're going to play on a big 6x4 board. Yeah, so people uh, people can come and play and it saves having to stack and re-rank every time. Yes. An ongoing adventure in the, in the Space Hulk. Yeah. Uh, so it should be that should be good, but um, that, that's the plan. We're gonna we're gonna do that. We like it. Um, we need to play some more games of it. Um, we need to do some sort of little campaign type thing. I think. Yeah. Um, some interlinked adventures, but it is very cinematic again. Um, yeah, very very much so. I mean, you gave one suggestion. I was looking at um, like an alien female assassin. A small, angry rodent, um, a captain who's a bit of a Lothario, and a, some sort of walking botanical thing. Oh, and the really big, stupid person that has no sense of what a metaphor is. Yeah, I can see that working. Yeah. Yeah. Or you could do, um, you know, a pilot who likes dinosaurs, his wife. Um, some sort of traumatized space captain and a psycho bitch with knives. Yeah, yeah, could do that. Um, all those sorts of things are possible. Yes, plenty of tropes to play with. Yes, um, but but it's nice. I like it. Um, I need to sit down and read advanced song of Blades yeah. of Heroes and see. Um, whether some of the ideas from Rogue Stars have been lifted from that or vice versa. Yeah. Um, but the last thing to talk about while we're talking about Andrea is, yeah. just, is just a quick mention um, for a new Of Gods and Mortals supplement. Which I haven't seen. That is out. Um, so this isn't published by Offspray. This is published by um, Ganesha Games themselves, which is Andrea's um, game publishing company. Uh, and it's written by Graham Davis. Now, if I remember rightly, Graham Davis was a was also Games Workshop. Was he? Hi, Graham. You're probably quite handsome too. Are you famous? <laughs> I think he was. I'm sure he was. Shall I Google him? Yeah. Okay. But this is... The Celts expansion book, um, which basically gives a whole load of extra gods to the Celts. Um, how many does it, it gives? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen extra gods. Um, from Balor of the Evil Eye, Beria, the Queen of Winter. The Morrigan, the Great Queen, 
Um, Teltui, Queen of Fur Bolag. So, you know, a lot of different, a lot of different gods. Um, so you get six new gods, eighteen new legends, and ten new mortal troop types based on myths and folklore from across the Celtic Celt Celtic. My apologies, Celtic world. Yes. Um, and it also gives you Celtic war chariots. Nice. Um, so some nice things that get added. Um, there's some extra scenarios. Uh, if you like Gods and Mortals and you're playing Celts, then it's pretty much a must pick up. And my understanding is that they're going to write more of these. Expand, you know, effectively expanding out the army lists that were in the main book. Yeah, to give you, you know, just to give you more options and things, which isn't a bad thing. No, yes, Graham Davis was born in 1958, and he contributed to or was a primary um, writer for Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay First Edition and Second Edition. Thought, Sorry about the charts thing. I thought he was. Yeah. Um. So anyway, so that's what that that's out. You can get it direct from Ganesha Games. It's on Amazon as well. That's where I got my copy from. Yeah, it's, uh, it's it's an e-published, so it's around in Goodreads and things like that as well. Yeah. Um, so it's, that's a nice little add-on if you play Of Gods and Mortals. And I which, still recommend... Which you should. Gods, I still recommend Of Gods and Mortals. It's a, yeah, absolutely. It's a very nice little game, and as we've discussed in the past, if you're playing Of Gods and Mortals, you can all, you've can you almost certainly got all the figures that you need to play things like Dragon Rampant and stuff. And you can just switch between Broken games. Legions. Yeah, you can switch between game sets as you want to do. Yes. So there we go. That's a little roundup of some rule sets that we've picked up, that some of which we've played, some of which we haven't, yeah. but we're going to. Yes. Um, and our, our continuing accumulation of Osprey rule sets. Um, oh, you've got that Special Forces one as well, haven't you? I've got Special Forces that I've yet to... Um, play, but that's a modern skirmishy type thing. It's got guns in. You won't like it. No, it doesn't. Um, it doesn't. It really doesn't appeal to me. That kind of allows you to do Navy SEALs, Black Hawk Down, all that kind of shenanigans. Yeah, not my cup of tea. Lots of figures for that in both twenty-eight and fifteen mil. Weirdly. Oh, what a surprise! Yeah, you, you loser. And what was the one you were just talking about buying this week? Oh, um, Pikeman thingy. Pikeman's Lament. Yes, a Daniel Mersey rule set. Not actually to play with the Pikeman stuff, but because it has an interesting campaign rules that the both the Dragon Rampant and Lion Rampant um, forums suggest are make excellent campaigns for those games. <laughs> so I was just going to buy it for the campaign rules. Sounds like a damn good idea, because that's both of those feature in my list of projects of which to accomplish this accomplish, accomplish this year. Yeah, well, I just put together a new unit for uh, Dragon Rampant this morning. You did indeed. Some light horsemen. Well, horsemen. Light cavalry. Yes, yeah, light cavalry. Yeah. Or chicken riders. From, mm -hmm. from the tag Kickstarter finally arrived. Yeah. Only eight, eight, only eight months late. Yeah. But at least they told you lots about what was going on, didn't they? That is true. Yeah. Oh, wait a minute. No, they didn't. No, they didn't tell you a bloody thing. <laughs> Bad tag. Bad tag. Yes. But there we go. 
Um, yeah. They they have they have arrived and they are nice models. And mm-hmm. um, so they I shall, are. I shall gobble them up with my bad cohort people. Yes, of course you will. Mm-hmm. Everyone who's listened to this show knows how our games go. I've just been l- luring, lulling you into a false sense of security. Okay, how did our game of Rogue Stars go? Oh, I can't remember. I think I blacked out. Oh, okay. See, I seem to remember my Inquisitor thing sticking its vibroblade through all of your men. I I don't remember that at all. Okay. Fair enough, then. Mm-hmm. That's because you're old. Facts. I know. I think that's about it. Yeah, Rogue so rabbited on along enough. I've got another coconut cookie to eat. Why are you eating coconut cookies? Well, Tilly made me eat them, and then I had to pinky promise to eat them. So I've got, I've eaten one, and now I've got another one. How many sins are in a coconut cookie? Probably about four. But I've been sin-free the rest of the day. Oh, have you? Yes, I have. I had uh, new potatoes and chicken breast with no skin on and peas and carrots for tea uh, for lunch, cooked for mother. Oh, that's a lie. I had some gravy, so that's probably another three sins worth. Yeah, and not a lot of speed there. There was quite a lot of peas and carrots. Peas aren't speed. What? Peas, well, peas, peas are free. They're not speed. Oh, well, I'll have a big and angry poo in a minute then. <laughs> you have to have broad beans. <laughs> they're not foods. They're a cruel and unusual punishment. So, on diet chat. <laughs> right, here we go. Yes. I broad bean Matt. <laughs> See what I did there? Very good. Very good. No one will understand it. We've, we've just talked about beans. Well, we won't have, because I'll edit that bit out. Well, then that will make no sense. It just makes me sound like a buffoon. You've done that for the last hour. Okay. Hour? Yeah. <laughs> Really? Yeah, you spent a lot of time crawling around the floor. Okay. <laughs> so well, that's a long and bonus episode then. <laughs> Free, no charge. <laughs> I've been Mike. I've been Matt. Bye-bye. Bye. You can contact Fools Daily on Twitter. We're at Fools Underbar Daily. Or via email, foolsdaily at outlook.com.